straight from my mom's basement. Thank you for joining us for this special Same. edition. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Special because we're mama's boys. That's right. And we're back in the saddle again. Amen. We ride. And this time we're here for that MMA weekend preview. In case you guys are watching on YouTube, a little new look to the to the podcast. And we might have some some neat little features to throw at you in the future. But you know, let us know what you think of the new design for the podcast. I think it looks very clean. And you're gonna see kind of when we get into some headlines and stuff how that, you know, how it fits more as yeah. a as a full picture, you know. But yeah. Uh so give us your thoughts on that. But uh and that Before. silky smooth new intro. Yeah, yeah. I guess I gotta gotta give you know. I gotta give Uh-oh. a shout out. Here comes gotta, the tangent. <laughs> no, no, no. I have to give a shout out to Dom because Dom was the architect and the DJ. <laughs> he he took on both tasks of so the new design, the new intro. That was all him. So if you guys enjoy it, shower him with the love. But uh, speaking of which, Dominic, you know, Mister, you know, DJ Architect, yeah, yeah, Jack of all trades, master of none. How are you? Swiss Army knife over here. <laughs> no, I'm doing really good, man. Um, I'm excited to be back in the studio. It's a, I might get to see you for the first time in months this weekend. It's still TBA. They got a lot of shit going on mm-hmm. in a podcaster's life, but hopefully. We get to watch some fights together, but uh, it's good that you're back in town. You get to see your family. Let the people know you're celebrating, right? That's right. My sister, my little sister turns 22. Um, it's going to be, I guess, the day before you guys watch this. So actually, she while we're recording this on Wednesday, I want to yeah. be out front about that. But it's very late Wednesday. It's actually 11, 19 p.m. So she'll be turning 22 in about 31 minutes. There you go. And that is incorrect. It's forty-four <laughs> minutes. Okay, uh, I thought about it late, but I didn't want to say anything. Oh man, so, yeah, it's late. It's late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's get right into those fight announcements. How about that? Hey, let's do it. Hold on, I got to look for it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Very clean. Very clean. We oh, start yeah. with UFC two sixty eight. Again, I'm going to say it for probably the second or third time. The MMA gods giveth, and then they take it away. This card was just too good to see the light of day. Luke Rockhold is out of his scheduled bout with Sean Strickland. Um, This again happened on November 6th. Now, Dominic, we're a little less than a month away at this point. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Sean and the UFC can come to some sort of agreement, get a, get a late replacement opponent? There have been a couple people that have thrown their names in the hat. Mm -hmm. Brendan Allen, um, yeah, I love that. Pre- previous foe of Sean Strickland, a guy Sean Strickland's already beat. Yep. And odd one, welterweight contender Gilbert Burns has thrown yeah. his name into that as well. Any thoughts on those names and maybe anybody else I'm not thinking of? Yeah, those two and uh, your favorite fighter, Bilal Muhammad. I saw those three were like the three biggest names. Um, hey, if I mean, if someone's willing to step in, I'm not opposed at all. I mean, at the end of the day, Sean Strickland is a fan-friendly fighter. All three, well, Bilal can be at times, but Brendan Allen definitely is. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, Gilbert Burns can be his fight with Wonderboy Thompson. Maybe not, but you get my sentiment <laughs> here, right? Yeah. There's potential for it to be a very fun fight. And, again, if they're willing to do it, welterweight or middleweight, uh, whoever steps in, I think, you know, why not? It's on a huge card. It's a main card slot on a pay-per-view. 
uh, with two massive title fights, Chandler and Gaethje. I mean, it's a big opportunity for anyone, and especially for a guy like Gilbert, who seems to have a lot of trouble right now finding opponents. He's like, oh, fuck it. I mean, I'll go up a weight class if I have to just so I can fight someone. So, you know, I like the sentiment. Uh, I think Sean Strickland's as down to fight anyone as anyone on the roster. So I think he'll want to stay on this card so long as the UFC allows it. Yeah, I like the Brendan Allen fight, of course, just because I, I still am very high on Brendan Allen. And Sean Strickland's shown and proven yeah. that he is very good as well. Um, but if I'm being realistic, I don't know if Sean, if I'm Sean Strickland, I don't know if I take that fight because you've already beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of if, if if maybe I might be mistaken, maybe that'd be more of a reason to fight him again because you're confident you can beat him again. But yeah, I'm looking more for fresh matchups. I love how weird but awesome a fight with Gilbert Burns might be. Like, who yeah. would have ever thought those two would ever fight? Exactly, Gilbert Burns, former welterweight title challenger, and then Sean Strickland, who's kind of this rising contender at middleweight. Like, <laughs> these guys have no never cross paths exactly yeah it definitely makes sense for gilbert burns a guy who can't seem to find a matchup right now because everybody's kind of being booked around him which we'll talk about <laughs> yeah and, and sean strickland you know it's more about if he wants to stay active get another fight i wouldn't blame yeah. him if he didn't but you know big opportunity madison square garden exactly you know he, he he's a little unhinged maybe <laughs> maybe he just wants to hurt someone you know <laughs> yes yeah, that would be what to, he wants he likes to articulate quite a bit but um yeah next one this is probably the biggest piece of news to come from this week december 11th ufc 269 that's the last pay-per-view of 2021 <laughs> our feature bout is set three Ooh. rounders at leon edwards and jorge masvidal the three-piece and a soda it's gonna be finally settled mm. in the octagon but dominic i got a couple questions i gotta get to you right away and they're both kind of got a negative yeah. connotation to it is this fight happening at the right time or is it a little too late and in, in terms of capitalizing on the hype i guess is the way to elaborate also are you disappointed that this fight is three rounds rather than five Yes, I am disappointed that it's not a five-round fight. Apparently, your last name has to be DS for that to happen in a featured <laughs> slot, so that's fine. But I think this is a huge fight that people have wanted to see. I think it deserves a five-round slot, especially since we moved another fight that we will discuss in a second. But I don't want to give it away. I want to build the suspense. Um, mm. But then your second question, is the fight happening at the right time? Is it too late? Mm, it's like yes and no kind of deal for me because obviously – at the time when the three-piece in the soda deal happened, it was when Jorge was really starting that rise, but he wasn't... Like, the three-piece in the soda has what kind of catapulted him. Then he had the Ben Asker knockout. Then he fought Nate Diaz, right? Yeah. So, yes, at that time, it felt like you got to capitalize on this. They were in London. They both got big wins. Then they get into a, you know, a scuffle backstage, and it's all crazy. You've never seen anything like that before in the UFC, or at least on camera. So it felt like a miss then, but then they both have went on such separate paths. I mean, Leon, I guess, hasn't fought much since then, but Jorge's had been in two title fights. He went on to be the fighter of the year in 2019, had the massive fight with Nate Diaz, had a belt literally created for him. So, I mean, Jorge's definitely still a big star now. So I I, I don't think it's necessarily bad timing either. Uh, It's a little late, but not too late. How about that? 
Um, I th- I actually think that it's probably the appropriate timing. Yeah. It it's not if you're you know what would have been the most appropriate is that instead of Masvidal Askren, you did Masvidal Edwards yeah. on UFC. What was that? Two thirty nine. Think so. Um, yeah. that would have been the most appropriate timing. But if you do that, you don't get the Masvidal knee, which obviously yeah. kind of catapulted him into superstardom for a while. And, you know, that fight would have done a lot for Leon, but you look at kind of Leon's path and, you know, he's really struggled to kind of build his name up. He's building up a lot of wins. He's looking very impressive while doing it, but problem is people just aren't caring. Right. Well, despite any criticism you might be able to make over the last minute of that fight, he does have a win over Nate Diaz and did so in a high profile five round fight. And what's kind of interesting about it is I think what I thought that that last minute, you know, him getting rocked, I really thought that would be a, that would stick with him. You know, I thought with Mm -hmm. a lot of the fans, the Diaz fans and just, you know, some of the cynical fans out there would really kind of hold that against him. Yeah. But it doesn't really seem to be the case. It seems like that's kind of been forgotten part of that fight. And the, it seems like the biggest takeaway is just he won ultimately and yeah. won very decisively, I'll, I might add. So to me, it feels like this fight's more appropriate now because I think they're, while obviously Masvidal's the bigger draw here, the bigger star, definitely, it feels like their stardoms are at least a little more equal than what they were, let's say before Masvidal fought for a title, you know, after he beat Diaz. Yeah. Cause like people wanted this fight, you know, after he beat Diaz and he wasn't fighting for a title, they thought it should have happened then. But by that point, Masvidal was like, I mean, look at what he did with Kamaru on pay-per-view. They sold 1.2 million. Right. You know, he he's, he's cooled off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying. So I think for it's sure. more realistic to put those two together now. Cause Leon's kind of got the biggest, I guess, biggest name he's ever had because he did have that fight with Diaz while Masvidal's yeah. at least came down back down to earth a little bit. So I actually like it happening now in, in that way. Yeah. But um as far as the whole five rounder um thing, this is in hindsight, I just think that the UFC probably I mean, okay, how do I word this? Because <laughs> obviously I would want the more the better for this one, right? Yeah. Like you want this is a big fight, big for this division, big implications here, especially for Leon Edwards. You know, this is the win that could really catapult him into a, a title shot. I hope so. <laughs> and, you know, for Jorge, it's it's still big because if he gets a big win, perhaps knocks out Leon Edwards, he kind of gains back some of that momentum he lost. Yeah. I don't think he gets a title shot off of that, but he will at least, you know, Maybe he does get another Diaz fight or he yeah. gets, you know, some other big fight that really maybe a Conor McGregor fight or whatever, you know. I just I, I maybe I'm just too much of a of a what's the word like an old fashioned, even though I'm still a newer fan, like mm-hmm. I'm like I'm a bit old fashioned where I don't love these like non title fight. Five yeah, of round. course. Like it just. The Diaz Edwards, obviously that felt worth it. Like it didn't until the last minute around five. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So that's what this was for. Then Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz was five rounds. Didn't need to be. The fight was ended in the third. Yeah. By Robbie. So here we'll see how the fight plays out. It'll 
my gut tells me this fight's going to a decision either way, if I'm being honest. Um, I could be wrong. Masvidal probably would be the one to finish this fight, and Leon yeah. would likely be more of the one to to outpoint him. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm not disappointed. It, it, it does feel like it should be when you had those two fights before it, but I'm more just like annoyed that that's now going to be like a constant talking point to people. It's like, right. If you want this fight to be five rounds, make it be a headliner for one of your ESPN plus cards. Yep. I saw a lot of people saying that. And I understand why they don't because Masvidal is a little bit too big yeah. to probably put on one of those shows. But to me, like, I like the I like the structure of like title fights or five rounds. Any main event that's not a title fight is five rounds. Everything else is three. Yeah. So like those guys that need to prove it that they can go five rounds, like you know, this could be a big prove it fight for Leon Edwards, but it doesn't get that spot on a on a on a you know ESPN plus card because Bosville is just a little bit too big. Yeah. So, you know. I wish they probably just wouldn't have done it with the Diaz brothers, if I'm being honest, and then maybe this just wouldn't have probably happened. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. And I think a lot of it – I think a lot of the blame is getting thrown at the UFC, but – and maybe I shouldn't take Dana's word for it because, you know, people say Dana's a liar, I guess. But he said that the reason those fights were five rounds is because that's what they wanted. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, true. did these two want five rounds? I mean, I'm sure – Maybe part of them did, but also, like, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, think about it. For Masvidal and Edwards, they'll make the same amount of money, potentially, to go three rounds as they would five. So part of them might be like, well, why am I having two extra rounds if I'm not headlining? Yeah, and a five-round fight restructures (laughs) your whole training camp to get ready for the extra 10 minutes and all that extra stuff. Oh, 100%. 100%. A guy like Masvidal, who – you know, he's not going to have the cardio advantage here. Like, he definitely probably would rather this be a three-round fight. And that's not even to mention, there's been countless fighters who have come out and, you know, Jose Aldo is a great example who has advocated for being a co-main on fight nights because he didn't want to be yeah. in a five-round fight. Yep. I mean, that's just, that's a reality. Some guys just don't necessarily want that if they're not going to, you know, if it's not worth, I guess, the prize at the end, you know, the title or whatnot. Yep. So I just think maybe people should read, re, you know, don't jump the gun and just assume that UFC being bad or whatever. Like, just chill out, everyone. Okay. Yeah. Um. Also, same card. <laughs> this card's stupid. This is a sleeper right here. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponza Nibio. Badass. Yeah, Jeff. Both these guys really looking to just really get back on track a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Jeff Neal's had a tough year. He really has. He, you know, he, he nearly died a year yeah. ago. Yeah. And then has had a couple of just not lackluster performances, but just he's been outclassed a couple times, you know. Got outclassed by Wonderboy Thompson, which, you know, that's <laughs> that's a tough fight. Yeah. And then you followed it up with Neil Magny, who, you would probably like him to play. He he should have. You would like him to have seen him perform a little bit better than he did against Neil Magny. Mm-hmm. But now he goes up against Ponzinibbio, who is coming off a win in an amazing fight with Miguel Baeza. Yeah. But then I still look at that fight before that, his return bout with Li Jingliang, where you mm. know 
He got slept. He he got slept pretty quickly and didn't quite look like the same fighter. And I will say, even though the Miguel Baeza fight, as fun as it was, I still didn't see the same guy that was headlining. I agree. That show with um with uh It was with Neil Magny. Yeah, Neil Magny, where he just looked like an absolute killer. Yeah. Now, does he need to be that guy to beat Jeff Neal? I don't know. The Jeff Neal we've seen in his last couple of fights isn't necessarily the guy who was coming off the contender and looked like he could sleep anybody as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of two guys that haven't quite looked the same in a while. I do have – I tend to have a little bit more confidence in Jeff Neal to maybe show that here, but Ponzinibbio is the one coming off a win, a fight of the year type performance. Dominic, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, it should be very good for as long as it lasts. I mean, you would like to think that Jeff Neal is going to be the guy that kind of pressures forward, wants to get Ponzinibbio on his back foot, hit him with those big power shots. Ponzinibbio, though, I mean, he's a guy that likes to press forward as well. He can counter strike a little bit better, I'd say, a little bit longer. Or at least I would imagine he's the longer fighter in this one. We'll break down when the time comes in December. But uh, I do think it's a really good fight. It's a big fight for both guys. Yes, Ponzinibbio is coming off of a win but it still feels like he needs a bounce back win. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And Baeza, you know, yes, he was undefeated. We we're real high on Baeza, but he wasn't kind of that ranked fighter at the time. Whereas Neil, he's number 10. He's a contender series guy with a lot of hype. He's been in there with a lot of top uh, elite talent guys that Miguel hadn't yet. So it's still a big fight for Ponzinibbio and obviously for Jeff Neal too, being that he's on a two fight skid. Yeah. So since this card is as stacked as it is, this time I'm going to say, the MMA gods give it, and then they move it the way. Move it, yes. Not take it. <laughs> because one of our three title fights that was scheduled for UFC 269, that being the trilogy bout for the men's flyweight title between Brandon Moreno and Davis and Figueredo, has been moved to a month later, January 22nd, for UFC 270. Likely, as of now, it looks like we'll serve as the co-main event. Um. I'm still just happy the fight's happening. I'm right. You know, it's fine. It's look, it's cool. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it being moved to this card. As long as those two are fine with it, you know, they still, they fought in June or July. So like, you know, fine. Six months or so, like it's, it's six instead of five, whatever. Like I'm yeah. cool with it. And think about it too. UFC 266, two title fights, UFC 267 coming up, two title fights. 268, two title fights. 269, two title fights. Now UFC 270 to start the year in 2022, two title fights and maybe a third one, but I don't want to get too crazy on that one because I'm still, (laughs) if that happens, I'm going to go nuts. But I'm not even going to put that into the air right now. And some of these feature bouts just feel like title fights. Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje. Yes, Leon, Jorge. Jorge. I mean, these all feel like big fights, you know, big title implication fights if you will yeah so, so uh and obviously this fight is fantastic so and the rumor is that ufc 270 might be in anaheim mm-hmm. uh, in california yep and a lot of people were suggesting that perhaps that's why they moved it to this card because uh it's closer in proximity to marina's uh, home country yeah. but uh dana said that's not the case but that he did confirm that anaheim is an option for this card so i don't know I, i'm just i'm not upset by it being moved i mean it's fine it, it's not too much later exactly yeah i mean it's not i'm glad that they didn't just move it i'm glad they moved it and then gave us something that in some ways is probably more exciting right right and more than likely guys let's be honest 
Jorge, I'm pretty sure, gets pay-per-view <clears throat> points, and that's probably why they moved this fight. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> completely true. I mean, <laughs> you know. that's a lot of mouths to feed after yeah. a while. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to transition into what we missed. I know we didn't really have any big news headlines here, but um, coming off of the fight announcements, for what we missed, Dominic, we got to have a you know one of those discussions here, one of those <sighs> – discussions that it isn't really funny or anything that we like to talk about. It's uncomfortable to talk about, but it's the reality that we need to discuss it and, you know, on our platform. Yeah. That being the, the, the string of domestic abuse um, incidents involving former and current UFC fighters. We've already discussed John Jones and his latest incident that, you know, the police report came out and just, didn't make him look great. Yeah. Well, now this week we had the we got some follow up on Luis Pena, current UFC fighter, um, has a decent following. You know, Violent Bob Ross is his nickname. Yep. He's actually, you know, he's not like some big name, but he's garnered a decent following because he's a fun fighter and whatnot. He was on tough. But yeah, and he's, um, you know, he's had a couple incidents. There was one. I can't remember if it was this year or late last year where he, he had like burglary charges and uh, there was something else that was bad on those charges. But I remember seeing that and thinking, well, that's kind of strange. And then more recently came out uh, domestic abuse charges and the police report came out this week and, you know, it makes him look unhinged. I mean, yeah. punching two different women with closed fists and, a uh, biting one, I believe, was on there as well. I didn't read the full report, but I'm just, you know, uh, this is just uh, so this is, you know, go read it for yourself. I highly recommend. Uh, so he he was released from his UFC contract because of this, and then also UFC legend Chuck Liddell was arrested Monday morning due to a domestic violence incident involving his wife. Um, Chuck did release a statement uh, a couple days later, basically saying, how did he word it, Dom? That he wasn't the one that, you know, was uh, the... He, he was the victim. Essentially, he was the victim, but went in because... So his fa- his family didn't have to face the, right. uh, you know, whatever you call it, face the... The, the, the public eye. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um. And, you know, he said some other stuff on there. Basically said the facts will come out and prove. Yeah. And everybody does deserve the innocent till proven guilty. But I guess, Dominic, even if we want to minimize, I guess, Chuck Liddell's case for now, ultimately you got two cases where you have detailed police reports that show that these, you know, Luis Pena and John Jones does not paint them out in very good light. And then you have a legend of the company who's having a similar incident. And this all happens within a couple weeks of one another. Yeah. Is, is this a problem that the company is really going to need to, to put it to really squash? Cause good. You released Luis Pena, very appropriate step, but how can you do that while still employing John Jones? Mm-hmm. And I mean, similar, I mean, okay, you can art. I mean, look, it's all semantics. If, I, I would probably go if you if you want to make that argument that like Luis Pena's case was worse, that's fine. But 
does that just because it's worse? Does that mean it should be the only one that gets that kind of punishment? Right. But Dominic, I, I want to give you a chance to give your thoughts on this one. It's all just obviously an ugly look for the UFC MMA as a whole, MMA <clears throat> fighters as a whole. You know, it kind of as it's, it's taken such large strides into getting into that mainstream media and becoming so popular, the growth has been something we've never seen before with sports, considering it's literally 28 years old and how huge it is globally now. So to see this, especially with relative, I mean, obviously Chuck Liddell is a UFC legend, Luis Pena, a popular fighter, um, and definitely in terms of the hardcore audience. And then John Jones, obviously one of the greatest fighters to ever do it. Uh, and it happened boom, boom, boom like this is just a very unfortunate, very good look. I know Dana said that they had been helping Luis Pena specifically uh, kind of behind the scenes with um, mental health and, you know, the whatever else was going on with his life and just trying to help him. I know he was arrested in June for domestic violence. And now again here. Well, I think this October. is, I, well, is that, is that what, uh, is this another incident? I like, think it's this... two separate. I'm okay. not a hundred percent, but I saw someone say this is now the second arrest on domestic violence since June. Um, okay. but that might also be related to the robbery thing. Potentially, yeah. I'm regardless. I, I, Again, it doesn't matter how many, I guess. So, like, I don't want to, you know, even if we're, if I'm being underprepared here, I guess more so just like the whole culmination of just having this many and this amount of proximity to one another, you know, is the UFC need to do something? Is Is there something they can do here? Right. And well, you say, you know, they took the right step with Luis Pena. They terminated his contract and hopefully they still do continue to try and at least help him behind the scenes anyways, even though he's not a UFC fighter anymore. But if you're going to do it to one, in my opinion, you have to do it to the other. And I already said this when we talked about John originally the first time. I said it needs to happen. It needs to uh, he needs to be cut because obviously he hasn't seemed to learn from his mistakes. And obviously, <laughs> I mean, this was pretty bad. His domestic violence with his fiance and the children uh, wanting to call the police and whatnot. But you're looking at a guy that's had a hit and run with a pregnant woman and all the steroid charges, drugs, alcohol. So it's just like, how much do we have to go through? Whereas Pena he has this domestic violence come out this year. It's like, all right, we got to get rid of him. So are we picking favorites here? Like, I don't like that look. If we have to have a, a something to hold fighters accountable, no matter if you're a champion, if you're the biggest star in the UFC, or if you're a first fight on the prelims, uh, you know, if you're doing this outside of the octagon, you're putting people in danger, your family's friends, whatever, you will be punished. And I think that needs to be an all encompassing umbrella for all fighters. Yeah, I feel like we compared to the majority of our peers who who hold these kind of podcasts or whatnot or columns about uh, MMA. I feel like we're one of the le- less critical of the UFC. You know, we we are big fans and we tend to mm-hmm. be fans. You know, yeah. more often than critics, I guess. But this is one of the few times where I'm kind of I'm like really disappointed here. And look, it's good. Luis Pena should be released from his contract. And I do hope that they continue to, you know, at least help him with the resources or whatnot, Um, whatever they can do. And I understand that no matter how big a company, you know, this is a big company, right? But it's, it's hard to like monitor 600 plus fighters behavior. You know, it's, this isn't like, their job to monitor this behavior to like track down every fighter's daily routine and whatnot. But once these incidents come up, 
you know, it shouldn't just be because there were bad eggs in your under your your uh, your hen house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that shouldn't just automatically make the UFC responsible, you know. But it's the response to the action. Yes, that's what matters more. Luis Pena, good. You did good there, guys. But unfortunately, this is two weeks after you did the exact opposite with John Jones. And by exact opposite, meaning nothing, nothing. at all. And I didn't necessarily make a defense for him, but I at least said, like, well, it's hard, you know, I guess if you're, you know, while I agreed with your points when we were talking about it then, I was, like, playing a little bit of devil's advocate by just saying that, like, well, ultimately they're they're independent contractors that are not, like, employees of the UFC. Yeah. They're just, they're, con- they're contracted to perform on UFC events, right? That's kind of like the more, I guess, technical terminology. So like that's, that's kind of leads to some weird, I guess, how the relationship really works. It's like, well, they're not really our employee. They're just someone we have contracted the fight, but most people for one associate them as employees of the UFC. Let's be honest. I mean, that's how we talk about them. They, they are by all accounts employees. Um, However, I understand. That's why I was like trying to be like, well, you know, it's just hard. Maybe it's really not their place to just like outright say, well, you know, goodbye, John. Like, Mm -hmm. because, and realistically, there's got to be the reason this is happening. The whole reason why John didn't get this treatment, but Luis Payne did, is because if they release John Jones, he could go to another promotion and he could probably do a pretty decent pay per view. However, he's I feel like the UFC overestimates or overvalues, you know, John it's, Jones. It's odd. Yeah. Because he's never been like a huge pay-per-view star. I mean, he's one of the best fighters of all time, and his fights with Daniel Cormier sold very well. And you know, he's had his occasional big selling card, but for the most part, the guy's not like some huge draw on pay-per-view. Right. Right. So for him to get this treat, I mean, this, to me, this is what I would expect about Conor McGregor, not a John Jones. Yeah. You know, I just, I just think that this, if you're really kind of bending backwards for John, who's already shown to be such a liability to this point in his career. Yeah. Like really what fight would you want to put him in right now? That's exactly. my question because sure. Are there very exciting fights? We've been all excited about him going to heavyweight and fighting Stipe or Nganu or surreal mm-hmm. gone. But if you can't trust him to one, keep his shit in check, you know, to, to stay. Well, for one, you know, he goes to Vegas one time to get inducted in the hall of fame. 12 hours later, he's in jail. Yeah. Regardless of what it was for and how bad that was. It was just, he's in jail again. Yeah. To, to what if he does fight one of these guys and wins? What if he wins the heavyweight belt and then that night he goes and parties and he gets arrested again for uh, assaulting someone or yeah. um, doing anything? I mean, for I don't know, drinking and driving, anything like it could be anything. Yeah. How can you, after all of these incidents, still want to put a guy in such a high-profile bout that has so much at stake? The UFC and Dana in particular have not enjoyed when guys like George St. Pierre have just came to different divisions for a cup of coffee, got the belt, and then just dipped. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when GSP won his second belt and then he just re retired. Yeah. You know, they don't like it when people just, you know, when Henry Cejudo retired, you know, Dana didn't seem too happy about that. That's why I'm just like, why, what, what is, what does John Jones have on the, on the company that they kind of just continue to give him these chances? And, and, and this just one looks just worse because it happened in such close proximity to the Luis Pena. Like this is the response that everybody on Twitter was telling me was going to happen. And I didn't believe it. I said, that's too obvious. Like they could never get away with that. Right. I'm like, they just basically said they're going to let the, you know, legal process play out, lay out for John. And then for Luis Pena, who's not near the star or fighter, it was almost immediately, which probably a good thing considering the police report, just really the fact that this has been a pattern, but it, it happened in such close proximity together, Dominic. This this makes it look even worse. I can't. Yep, I, can't I agree. Crazy, right, hundred percent. I agree. It's awful. Yeah, and I guess my last point, and I know Dominic will agree with me here. Ultimately, the victims here are the ones that I hope end up okay from this, and yes, um, you know, hopefully they they get the help they need, or they are able to kind of continue forward and live a healthy life and not have to worry about these kind of actions happening to them again. And really for the guys that are, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in second chances and that people can, you know, come back, mm-hmm. but it's going to take actions, not just words. And, you know, that speaks more to John Jones. Either. I saw some of the tweets he's been putting where talking about some of the stuff he went through growing up and, um, you know, that does like, that is tough stuff. You know, it's very tough to deal with if you have gone through some trauma like that as a kid, but to post that and make it to where it sounds like almost like an excuse for what you did. That's just gross, man. It's just gross. I look at it as almost disrespect toward their victim too. I agree. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like I can, I don't know if I can articulate my thoughts any better than I have. So I think I'm just going to cut myself off there. One last thing before we move on a little bit of boxing. So Tyson Fury, I know crazy (laughs) Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder three happened last Saturday. It ended up being a huge fight, a fight that really everybody was talking about afterwards. And, you know, it was just a really good fight and a cap to a great trilogy at the heavyweight division. But Dominic, the reported numbers have coming out from have come out from the event, and the buys have been uh, reported to be just under six hundred thousand pay per view buys. Is this number a little lower than you were expecting? If you consider the fact the second fight got about eight hundred thousand, I think. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to keep going. Awkward pause there. Um, sorry about little, that, everyone. I was, ner- I was so nervous that that was uh, when our when our shit starts glitching yeah. and you like when our audios are aren't in sync. I was like, oh no. Like, no, that was. I was like anticipate. No, that was really awkward on my part. I apologize. Um, it does. I I that week, and I know. And again, I'm not like a big boxing guy, so I'm not going to get wild and crazy here. But a lot of people didn't think this trilogy needed to happen. 
So a certain part of me is like, oh, maybe this does make sense. Because a lot of people going in to the fight, unbeknownst to them that it was going to be one of the best heavyweight boxing fights ever, they weren't that excited because they didn't think it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. So maybe that kind of hindered it a little bit, but I still felt like the week of, regardless, I couldn't get away from a TV channel without seeing a commercial (laughs) for this fight. You could rent it on ESPN plus you could rent it on CBS. You could rent it on all these. I didn't even know you could rent pay-per-views on all these damn websites. I thought you had to go to one place. This was on all the broadcast networks. So part of me is surprised because it felt so big that week in that weekend, especially but in the grand scheme of things, in the long-term buildup, I guess it does kind of make more sense. You know, it's not a bad number by any means. Like 600,000 oh, no. is still, I mean, that's a good that's a good day's work. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, just considering the buzz that came off of this fight, it just, like, it felt like it had absorbed the entire internet. World, the day. yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the problem is that that was after the fight. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I do think of people are forgetting now that a lot of the lead up to this was that it was a foregone conclusion considering Tyson Fury ran through Deontay Wilder in their mm-hmm. second fight. I think most people just expected that to happen again. And I think there was also a lot of sour people out there that really wanted this to be Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. Yeah. can't say I blame him. But once the fight took place, I think it just – completely over delivered on everybody's expectations and considering that it was the trilogy and those two guys that are both two of the best heavyweights in the world right now. Right. right. I think that was just a, it was a snowball effect to where people (laughs) maybe not the best method here, but I think as people were hearing more and more about this fight and how awesome it was, I think they were looking for their closest streaming Mm -hmm. (laughs) illegal stream to, to get on and watch it and see the rest of the fight. Doesn't help the pay per view buys, but ultimately, I'm just saying that like 600,000, nothing to call sneeze at, and it being a couple hundred thousand less than the second fight kind of makes sense. I I wouldn't be too disappointed in that if I were a boxing fan, but you know, again, I don't know a lot about like the history of you know pay per view buys and boxing and stuff, so it would be a little out of my realm to I guess make too much of a presumption there. Let's get, let's get into the contender series. Week seven has came and it has went. There's only three weeks left. <laughs> we had three contracts given out Tuesday. So Dominic, five fights, three contracts. We had a new ring announcer, another one, our second uh, first appearance for this yeah. this season, Mr. Cyrus Fees. Mm-hmm. Um, good job to him. But uh, yes, and he was on Dana White looking for a fight. I figure I put those. Put, put the picture together. I was able oh, yeah. to to get it all figured out. But Dominic, out of these performances that took place Tuesday, who was the biggest standout? And you know, anything maybe that ruffled your feathers a little bit, you know. So I won't go with the standout that I'm wanting because you will. So I'll, I'll do another <laughs> one. I will say, in terms of feathers being ruffled, let's discuss this for a second here first, <laughs> Noah, because we had two fighters come in that did not make weight. Yeah, that being. Uh, Jake Hadley, undefeated fighter, former Cage Warriors flyweight champion, and Christian Rodriguez. Um, they both missed weight coming in. They both won their fights. One of them got a contract. One of them did not. Now, Christian Rodriguez won via decision and missed weight, so it's a little bit harder to justify. Jake Hadley did get a submission. What was that? Again, in the second round against Mitch Raposo, who was on this season of The Ultimate Fighter, by the way, for those that didn't know. And uh, Jake looked great. He looked good in the stand-up. He looked great off his back. 
and he looked good when he got the submission and had top control. So he looked great all around. Again, he's undefeated, former Cage Warriors champion. We know he's a phenomenal fighter. But also, in, uh, in addition to missing weight, Dana White let everyone know in the post-fight presser that he was a handful to deal with <laughs> during fight week, to say the least. So uh, drama with his driver to get him to the hotel. Uh, drama with the people doing PR. The matchmakers, just kind of disrespectful, I guess. Yeah. I don't really know. He didn't go into too much detail. But all that being said, Dana White still gives Mr. Jake Hadley a contract based off of his performance. And the best part about this story, maybe not the mm -hmm. best, but the funniest slash most awkward part about this story is that UFC matchmakers Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard, shout out to those two guys, by the way, because they don't get enough credit for <laughs> the job they do, yeah. um, were so mad at Dana for signing Jake Hadley that when he announced it on the broadcast, they stormed out of the apex and went <laughs> home, ladies and gentlemen. So Dana said he yeah. broke all of his rules in order to sign this kid. He had a gut feeling about him. He feels he's a special talent. And so he gave him a contract. No, I got to get your thoughts on this first. Yeah, so weird, dude. I mean, I like Jake Hadley's performance. And I'll admit, yep. when I watched the fight, I didn't know he had missed weight. I was, like, listening to the broadcast, but, like, I was also listening to some music and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, I might have missed some things that the broadcast was saying about it. So I didn't realize he had missed weight until actually Dana was going through the list at the end, giving out the contracts and whatnot. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh, God, he's not making it. Like, yeah. That's never happened. I'm pretty sure it's the first one here that a guy yeah. who's missed weight has gotten a contract. And then when Dana's talking about him, and dude, look, no, this isn't meant to be any knock on Jake Adley. Look, I have a baby face of Jake. I, I feel you, dog. But, like, his face when he was sitting there, yes, he looked like dude. a kid that had just gotten told to Put give some time out. Yep. yep. And, um, Dana's like kind of letting him have it a little bit. It was like, yeah, apparently he you were a real handful and yeah, uh, didn't a lot of people you you weren't nobody was really a big fan of you this week. And then kind of gave him the reach around and was like, but you're in. <laughs> Don't make an asshole out of me. Yeah. Um. So it was really interesting. I, I and I still am confused about this situation. Like I want to know more details. Like yeah. How could this guy have made such a bad impression? Like how he's not even around most of these people long enough, I would I would think, to do that. But he must have just been having I mean, he missed weight and did that. This must have been a terrible week for this guy. This guy yeah. must, must not have been a joy to be around at all. Yeah. But um I'd be curious to hear more. It might come down to simple like I heard someone uh, a few people say that because he he's from the UK. Yeah, that UK sense of humor. They were comparing like Michael Bisping. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if I can go like it. That many people thought this guy was like a Pete, like an asshole. And yeah. you're gonna tell me that it's because the sense of humor. I don't know. I just think that uh, dude was probably having a pretty bad week and was probably taking it out on all the people that were trying to get him from point A to point B. And right. That being the UFC staff. So hopefully he proves Dana White right because I really like the performance. And oh yeah. Now, you know, I've been a little critical over the contracts given, so you might ask yourself if you've been watching, like, well, why isn't he kind of ripping into the fact that this guy got a contract? Well, it's hard for me to switch my brain. I was all about him getting a contract. Then I heard he missed weight. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, I, was yeah. like, I really like him, though.
So I kind of had the same inner conflict that Dana had. Yeah, like that gut feeling. Yeah, like I kind of just felt because I love that he's a flyweight and like, yes, just that felt helped. like you know a division that needs more guys. And he just, you know, he looked like a, he just felt like a like a guy that really had it, you know. Yeah. And um, so I can't blame Dana because I kind of had similar feelings. It's weird, you know. Yeah. But the big takeaway for this this week for me, outside of kind of the smoke and mirrors of the Jake Hadley stuff. Slava Borshev. Slava Claus. <laughs> Slava Claus. And his two round, well, mostly one round. But <laughs> yeah. The start of the second round gets the knockout over Chris Duncan. Dominic informed me right before we started recording. This is Chris Duncan, the man who yep. uh, wasn't able to fight on the contender series like two weeks ago, undefeated stud that everybody was real excited about. Begged Dana to get him another fight. Yep. He gets this one with Slava. Then go his way, and that first round was incredible, though. Great I mean, fight, yeah. Slava. Just this guy just looks like he knows how to fight. His hands, you know, he's not the most like imposing figure, you know. He's got a little bit of flab on him, he's got you know, he's a little bit of a dad bod type, looks you know? normal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the dude knows how to fight, and his striking oh, yeah. is impeccable. And you can just see, like, if the guy didn't have fighting skills like he does. He probably wouldn't be anybody that like he'd just be some other guy on the street, right? But because he has the fight skills that he does, he's literally a death machine waiting to happen. I mean, this guy—it's <laughs> unreal. Just the kind of transformation that a guy like this can make based on the skill set he's really made for himself. And I was highly impressed. And the way—I mean, knocking out Chris Duncan cold. Yeah, one considering punch. The, considering the hype, I didn't even realize the hype Chris Duncan had again. This is my fault for not listening to the broadcast, I guess. But knowing that, that even adds a little more to it for me. I was still ready to give this guy the shout-out just for a great fight. But yeah. to know that he beat such a talented opponent, that adds a lot to it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from that, we're getting to some Bellator. Oh, they're back, aren't they? Bellator 270. It's happening Saturday, so we're going to have a little Bellator versus UFC action going on. That's the only part I dislike when they happen <laughs> on the same day. Yeah. But we got the final four of our light heavyweight Grand Prix, and dare I say, Dominic, Bellator's done it again. Yep, yep, they are yeah. winning the weekend here. Um, as, as We're going to have our Bellator light heavyweight title fight on one side, as Vadim Nemkov will be defending against Julius Anglicus. This is uh, Julius, the late replacement yes. for Anthony Johnson, uh, number five ranked light heavyweight in Bellator. And then on the other side, you got two former UFC contenders and prospects, and Ryan Bader, the current Bellator heavyweight champion and number one ranked light heavyweight, and Corey Anderson ranked right behind him at number two. So let's start with the title fight, Dominic. Okay. Um, Nemkov and Anglicus, I feel like it's not going to get quite the attention that maybe it should. Uh, Julius Anglicus, former contender series uh, alum. I found that interesting. Yeah. He had a great performance on the show. I just watched it yeah, <laughs> because I've been going back. Uh, got the finish, looked really good in that fight. Um, didn't, I don't, yeah, didn't get the contract. And, um, went straight yeah. to Bellator. Went straight to Bellator, <laughs> has won three straight at Bellator. Um, all three via decision. So he's not quite shown that that explosiveness, that finishing ability that he showed on the contender series. However, we know what he's capable of, but he's going up against 
the yes. highest level of striking that Bellator has in Vadim Nemkov. So I guess, Dominic, the question here is, what does Julius really need to do to shock the world? That's interesting because Vadim is such an incredible stylistic kickboxer that can pick his shots, point fight his way to a victory, and he gets a lot of finishes too. But for Anglicus, you know, pressure. Pressure forward. Don't let Nemkov control the pace of the fight. Don't let him control the – I was going to say octagon, but they fight in a circle in Bellator, I guess. Uh, don't let him control the circle. You know, press forward. He's got a four submission win, so he's good on the ground. He's kind of good all around. And, you know, like you said, he's 3-0 and in Bellator. He's on a nine-fight win streak in general. Hasn't lost since his second professional bout. So this guy is legit. He's only 30 years old. Both these guys are still so young into their prime. They're both really the same size. He's got a three-inch height advantage, but the reach is nearly the same. So it's a very interesting stylistic matchup. I remember when the news broke about uh, Rumble Johnson being out and we kind of broke this fight down a little, or at least that Anglicus was stepping in, we said that it might make for a more interesting fight in a certain aspect just because of the question marks surrounding Anglicus. You don't know what he's going to do, whereas Anthony Johnson, you knew what he was going to come and try and do. He's going to try and come and take Nimkov's head off. So for Anglicus here, I look for him to fight a smart fight, but at the same time, you almost want to make it a little ugly with a guy that is such a tactician in Vadim Nimkov. See, I'm a little nervous that that's not going to happen in terms mm-hmm. of uh, kind of making the fight a little messy. Yeah, I think Anglicus, I don't really see him, and you know, this could be way off base here, but I don't really see him dirty in this fight up. I feel like these two are such polished strikers mm-hmm. that you're going to likely get a bit of a chess match for a while, and someone's going to land pretty good, and then things might get a little interesting if someone gets rocked or whatnot. Um, Right now, you know, I can't help when you have a guy like Anglicus here. I can't help but think back to some of the great performances we've seen in mm-hmm. in past um, in past Grand Prix. Guys that stepped in later were completely not expected to do much. You know, Daniel Cormier in Strike yep. Force won the entire uh, heavyweight Grand Prix. Shogun Hua won the last open weight Grand Prix in Pride and. He was completely not expected to do anything. He he fought in the same camp as Vanderlei Silva. Everybody thought Vanderlei was going to go all the way and yeah. ends up being Shogun. So, you know, I can't help but have that in my brain when I look at this fight. And, you know, Anglicus, I think, hasn't shown his full capabilities yet in Bellator, which is why any Bellator fan is probably going to be looking at Vadim Nemkov here. That's the guy who... De- the company's really building around, it looks like. They're really investing a lot in him, and for good reason. He's a damn good fighter. I just think that if the Anglicus who came to the Contender Series, and again, the, the talent, uh, the Demon Amkov is definitely better than who Anglicus fought on the Contender Series, but if that same Anglicus shows up here, this might be a harder fight for Nemkov than it would have been if Rumble Johnson was in his spot. That's just my... My gut feeling. I don't know if it'll be a pretty fight, or I should, I guess I should say, I don't know if it'll be an exciting fight, but I definitely think it might end up being a little closer on the scorecards when it's all said and done. Yeah, I agree. And I also just want to add one point here, specifically for this fight. <clears throat> the winner of this, via or between Nemkov and Anglicus, I kid you not, I think 
the winner of this, should they go on to win the entire Grand Prix? I don't know what their like contract situation is with Bellator, if it's up at the end of the Grand Prix or whatnot. But both these guys are undefeated right now in Bellator. They're 29 and 30 years old. And Gleekus has already had a shot on the Contender Series. Nimkov is one of the best light heavyweights in the world across all promotions. I think one of these two guys, especially if they win this Grand Prix, could be in the UFC soon. Wow. Oh, I yep. like that. You know, I, yep. I hate to talk like that because you know, I want to give Bellator like their credit, but let's be honest. I mean, they are the second. Yes. They're the second on the ladder, right? And we've I mean, seen plenty of Bellator champs go to yeah. the UFC. I mean, don't get me wrong. UFC guys have gone to Bellator. Of course. Even in, yeah. you know, Rory McDonald, even in his prime, went there and stuff. Yeah. So it's not, it's a two way street. But let's be real. Like, if we're being honest with ourselves here, Dominic, I mean, the UFC is, there's a big gap from one to two. Yeah. So, at the, you know, for not every fighter, am I going to say their goal is to make it to the UFC? I mean, maybe the Bellator really invest even financially into AJ McKee. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe he, you know, decides it's more worth it financially to even stay there. But I don't know if either one of these two guys, I'm not sure if they'll get that same, you know, I do think the Bellator is interested in in really investing in Nemkov, especially if he wins this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to really make them think we might need to start putting some money behind this guy and trying to build him up as like a star. Mm-hmm. But it just, man, could you imagine if he had to go through Rumble Johnson and then, you know, Corey Anderson or Ryan Bader to right. win it? That would definitely have done more star power wise, mm-hmm. but you're completely right. One of these two guys could, and dare I say, should end up in the UFC. Maybe even the loser of this fight. Yeah, that might true be too. more realistic for them to end up in the promotion. Um, yeah. Then, then on the other end, Ryan Bader Corey Anderson is a damn good fight. I mean, it these is. are two guys that if you're UFC fans, if you don't really know much about Bellator, you should recognize these two. These were two guys that at different points in their careers were were looked at as the future of the division. You know, Ryan Bader had one of those fights that we talk about that we don't like. He had that fight with John Jones when both guys were still on their way yeah, up. Yeah, you know? they did. The two prospects that are looked at as the potential future of their division get going head-to-head then. If I would have been doing this podcast back then, <laughs> I would have said, damn it, why don't off. you wait till this is a title fight? Yeah. Um but John Jones obviously put up a hell of a performance there. Uh, but Bader has been a, was a constant in the light heavyweight division. Yes, had some he was. Really, had some great moments and some, you know, he had some less than great moments. But Corey Anderson, similar story. A guy whose chin never could really hold up, but, you know, a great grappler and had some big moments. The win over Johnny Walker was uh, an awesome win for him. Probably the biggest win maybe he had in, in the UFC. And now they end up here, Bellator, both probably at still the top of their games. I mean, Ryan Bader was a two-division champion before he lost to Nemcob. Now he's still the heavyweight champ. And then for Corey Anderson, he's looked fantastic so far. And and granted, not been the highest level of competition. You know, Melvin Manhoff's fun, but not the guy he once was. Yeah. So I guess, Dominic, now that I've, you know, talked – a lot <laughs> um in this fight you do have two guys more more known for their grappling so does this end up being a bit of one of those fun striking fights like a covington Usman, or do you think one of these guys wrestling really overtakes the other here you get a lot I, of drawn out top position game 
Yeah, I think if the wrestling comes into play, it'll be on Corey Anderson's front. Um, he reminds me a lot of Phil Davis in the way that he approaches these fights and the way that he kind of goes about them. He can get finishes, but he can also just grind out opponents, three, five rounds, whatever the case may be. Bader uh, definitely is a great grappler, but I think he's going to have the upper hand on the feet. He's finished uh, a lot more of his fights. He's finished 15 out of 28. He's got 28 wins. He's had a long career. He's 38 years old, though, now, Noah. Corey Anderson's still only 32, and that's kind of what plays into factor here, too, because I know you said Bader's still doing great, and obviously he is. He was a double champion. Now he's still a champion at heavyweight. But uh, I I think this is a really good matchup for Corey, and it's the right time for him. He's also going to have a six-inch reach advantage in this one to help him kind of close that distance against Bader, and I really think he's going to try to look to press the pace, make Bader uncomfortable, because I think he's going to know – that Ryan will have the power on the feet. And if Ryan catches him, we've seen Corey's chin be tested before and mm-hmm. not hold up. It, I could see it being the same here. And he can he can catch Bader. He just got knocked out uh, by Nimkov to lose his belt. So I'm not saying Corey can't finish the fight, but I think more so if he were to get a finish, it will come on the ground if he's going to look to grind this one out uh, and move on to the finals. Yeah, Bader's power has got to be dangerous here. That's got to mm-hmm. be like a, a big weapon in this fight, considering this is a heavyweight champion who is fighting down a division. Yeah. Yes, it's a division that he's fought in for a large portion of his career, but still, once you add that mass to you and now you're yeah. kind of taking off, you still carry some of that little added power with you. Um, that's got to be in Corey Anderson's mind to avoid the right hand, the left hand, whatever, and really try to, you know, Force this fight into your realm. I still feel like Ryan Bader might have a wrestling advantage here. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I really don't. And it's it's that's the thing I want to find out. You know, if that's the case, this is going to be a hard fight for Corey Anderson to do a whole lot in. Maybe close that distance, get in a clinch game. Um, again, he has the reach advantage, and you would like to have him use that at, at distance. But I just think that's a big risk if uh, you know. Bader catches him with a with a hard shot. Yeah, because Corey's chin just hasn't really held up to it. So maybe you get to a clinch game. I don't know how Corey's clinch is, but hey, I'm willing to I'm willing to find out. Let's find um, yeah. He has he, you know, his chin hasn't always held up, but he has overperformed at times on the feet for me. You know that Johnny Walker fight was. Very, I know Johnny Walker is not really everybody's favorite guy anymore, but you know this was the Johnny Walker that people thought might be the the kryptonite for John Jones at light heavyweight. Oh, that was a massive win at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, was it deserved? Maybe, maybe not, but Johnny Walker was literally destroying everybody in like less than a minute. And Corey Anderson seemed like a prime person to give him to add to that list. Corey Anderson has fallen victim to some of those quick KOs in his career. Right. And he just put it on Johnny Walker. I love that performance out of him there. Um, All in all, I'm very excited for this fight. I think the winner of this does give a really good, especially if Corey Anderson puts on a good show here. I'll be very interested to see what him and the winner of Nemkov and Anglicus looks like because we've seen it with Bader and Nemkov. And I'm not saying that it'd be the same fight. If that ends up being the finals here, I'd still be excited for it. But considering Corey Anderson hasn't fought the highest level of competition in Bellator so far, here's a test. Can you get past Bader? Which is, I mean, that's a big test. It's a champion. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if he does, though, I love him and Nemkov or him and Anglicus. Like that, 
man, Corey Anderson, a guy who really could never get over the hump in the UFC. It's, if he could reach the pinnacle in Bellator, feel good story. It's yeah. got to be a feel good story. Yeah, hundred percent. And let's get into the UFC. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> hey, you know, Dominic, I'm, I'm not mad at the, like. Ultimately, here's what I don't want. When Holly Holm got announced that she was off this card, and now our main event, which I'll go ahead and plug here, Aspen Ladd, who's the number three ranked women's bantamweight fighter, is going up against Norma Dumas, who's the number one ranked women's featherweight fighter out of three. <laughs> and that's including the champions. So, yeah. um, And I'm joking. There is no rankings. for. I was about to say. <laughs> so it's, it is that women's featherweight, though. That's the caveat here. And obviously a lot's... Um, you know, for Aspen Ladd, we're going to talk a lot about what what should we really expect from her here. This is a woman that had a very bizarre and kind of hard to watch uh, weigh in yeah. attempt where she was shaking the whole time. Um, and then, you know, she had her reasons that apparently afterwards. And I'm not going to pretend to understand <laughs> those as a man, but I just, you know, it just didn't look good. And now she's going to turn around and try to fight again a week later when she couldn't make weight. I know it's 10 pounds heavier regardless. Here's what I don't want. Just because Holly Holm falls out, I'm so glad the UFC didn't just cancel scrap this card because ultimately you have all these fighters who are depending on these fights to that check, you know, they're depending on getting that performance. Like they want to be able to move up in, in a lot of ways. So I'm glad this card is happening. But just to call a spade a spade, it's not a good card on mm-hmm. paper. On paper. On paper. That's I always the key word. Yep. Marina Rodriguez and Mackenzie Dern was also not a good card on paper. And it performed very nicely. Very well, yes. <laughs> so hopefully the same can be said here. And that's why we're going to start with this main event. Um, it is a weak main event on paper, but Dominic, I don't want to focus on that right now. What I want to focus on is for our two competitors, Aspen Lat, mm-hmm. contender at Bantamweight, who hasn't fought in nearly or maybe it is two years at this point. She's yeah. moving up a division after you know a couple egregious examples of some either near weight misses or with this one missing weight not being able to fight. She goes up against Norma Dumont, who's looked pretty good at women's featherweight. I've been I've been happy with what I've seen out of her. But she's been interested in going down in weight. She's, you know, and obviously the UFC doesn't seem very committed to this division. So there's a lot kind of up in the air. Why is this fight at women's featherweight? You know, all that stuff. So my question for you, considering all these elements is what is truly at stake in this fight for both women. And I and I don't just mean a title shot. I think that's kind of the obvious one. Mm. Like I feel like the winner of this fight probably is going to get a title shot against Amanda Nunes. Um, and I maybe that depends, assuming she beats Pena, and then I think assuming she doesn't fight Valentina next, I think that's yeah. the assumption. So if you go even besides a title fight, what's really at stake here for both these women? that's such a hard question Noah because it's like in this division there's just so many things up in the air what are the implications fight by fight that go on you know like Mm -hmm. Normandy Mons last fight was against Felicia Spencer I thought well 
maybe this is a number one contender fight, but Megan Anderson's about to fight Amanda and Felicia Spencer already fought Amanda. Norma hasn't. What are we doing? Then Norma wins and she doesn't get a title fight. She was going to fight Holly Holm. Very random. But now she's fighting Aspen Ladd. It's just this division in itself is just so weird. And maybe, dare I say, is the division at stake based on the results of this fight, Noah? That might be a big question there. I don't know. But I'm saying that because Aspen Ladd, and I said this on Monday, I still feel that she's going to be back at Bantamweight. I, I, I think she wants to be at Bantamweight to take advantage of that size. Now, granted, she can come in here, beat Norma, stay at 145, and likely get a title shot like Noah mentioned. She could also win this fight and still get a title shot at 135, if I'm being honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised either way. But she missed weight, so maybe they want to see her make weight down there one more time. You get my point. Norma, kind of the same thing where she's been wanting to go down to 135. So, yes, if she beats Aspen, she's the rightful person in line at featherweight. But she could probably go down to 135 and maybe jump the line or get a no more contender fight. Again, it's all <laughs> up in the air. But uh, it's just so hard to answer directly to you what is at stake when the division as a whole is just so wanky and weird and out there. And for Norma, like if she loses... I don't think it does much to her credibility, but it hinders her future because, well, who's she going to go fight next? Like, that's the problem for Norma, whereas if Aspen loses, it's up a weight class at featherweight. She's never fought there before in the UFC, and she can just go back down to Bantamweight if she can get the weight right and fight again and still be top three. So I, I guess you could almost say there's more at stake for Norma because maybe she gets cut from the UFC. I mean, Megan Anderson fought for a title, lost, and then got cut, even though outside of that, she looked great in the UFC. So it's just weird. Um, I guess I'll get your thoughts before we kind of do a little stylistic breakdown. If you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, all I can really add is uh, as far as what I think is at stake here, and again, this is besides a title shot, because I do think the winner of this should be in line for a women's featherweight title shot. I mean, I saw your point, and I and at first I almost was like going along with you. I'm like, yeah, he's right. Aspen Ladd could get a title shot at Bantamweight off of this. Would it be the most earned? No, but it would, you know, that would be okay. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, wait a minute, well, she missed weight, and yeah, it was pretty bad. Kind of, I'm like, yeah. I don't think they would do that. I really don't. Yeah. Even in a division like women's Bantamweight that seems to be kind of struggling to get those contenders, ultimately what's at stake here? Well, first – Aspen Ladd needs to prove once she, again. We're recording this Wednesday night slash now it's Thursday morning, twelve thirty in the morning. Basically, we don't know when we're posting this. Like as we're watch, as you guys are watching this, we're not sure if Aspen Ladd has made weight and if she yeah. looks great. That's step number one. She needs to show that maybe it was just a bad day at the office. Get mm-hmm. those cobwebs out of there. Um, What's at stake for her is there's is a lot at stake because she has been kind of clowned on <laughs> for, yeah. for lack of a more articulate term. She's been she's been getting quite clowned on by the community and by Misha Tate, of all people. Yeah. Um it's not been a good couple weeks for her. So a good performance here, a really good performance. I know Norma Dumont doesn't have a ton of credibility with the fans, but I see her talent. And I think a win over her, especially in the fashion that Aspen Ladd could do, I think that could be a great win for her. I just don't yeah. know if the fans will respond to it the way they, they probably should. Um, I do think that that's, you know, 
gaining back some of that trust in the fans. You know, this was someone that, like, you're still on that train, but this was a train that a lot of people were on at one time, the hype train of Aspen Ladd, you know? Yeah. As a actual contender. At, and, I mean, really, at this point, she is a contender. She's number three ranked in the world, but it still feels like she's kind of failed to fully capitalize on her potential, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that feels like what's at stake for her. And for Norma, what's so weird, Dominic, is – I feel like a win for either one of these women could really set them up nicely at Bantamweight as well. Yeah. But I just feel like the either one who wins, like I don't see why this fight is at featherweight unless the winner is getting a featherweight title shot. Even when it was right. Holly Holm and Norma, like why was that at feather? Like Norma has at least, she has showed interest in going down to Bantamweight. Yeah. And don't tell me you made that a five-round main event because Norma Dumont wanted to fight at featherweight. Yeah. It was a five-round main event because Holly Holm wanted to fight at featherweight. That's that's why. And it's because Holly Holm wanted another title shot, and she probably would have got it if she would have beat Norma Dumont. She's out. You got Espen Ladd. The winner of this is probably getting a title shot at women's featherweight. But actually, for Norma, if she wins, I think this actually does more for her beyond that, and that's if the UFC allows it. If she loses her inevitable potential title shot, if she wins against Amanda at 145, she can go down to 135, and she technically has a win over the number three ranked women's bantamweight fighter in the world. Yeah, so, so she that should it in. propel her into big matchups as she starts right away. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if she beats Aspen Ladd, loses that title fight, as long as the UFC doesn't fucking cut her afterwards. Yeah, if she can, if they allow her to go down to bantamweight. Then she should fight top ten right away. Yes, if not top Maybe, five. Yeah, if not <laughs> top five. So that's what's really at stake for her. It's more for long term, I think, longevity. I like that here. And um, for Aspen, you're right. It's probably not a long term move for her. But again, I'm I'm questioning what it shouldn't because <laughs> I don't. I literally predict this division not to be around at this time next year. Like it just. Yeah. So like, how can I sit here and say that it's that it's going to be a long-term move. No, it's not because I don't think this division's going to be long-term at all. Right. So, and inevitably she's going to have to face that 135 pound weight class again. If she wants to continue in the UFC. Yeah. It starts here, get back on track, have a clean week, no hiccups, no weight miss, no almost weight miss, no weird stuff going on with her cut, you know, nothing. Just have a clean week. She can get a clean win, gets her back on track. We'll probably gain her back some traction with the fans. Yes. Do you want to talk about X's nose? I mean, ultimately, I don't. I, I mean, I, I really don't know what we're going to see here. If I'm being honest, I mean, I think this fight could be. Um, it's an interesting fight. It really is. Uh, I I don't know if I really just maybe I don't really grasp the two uh, participant styles very well, but. I don't really see how they're going to mesh here. I think this fight could go a lot of different ways. It definitely can. And I do just want to say and add, because we talked about it on Monday. Again, you're listening to this on Friday. We're recording on Wednesday night. But uh, Aspen Ladd, at the end of the day, regardless of it being 10 pounds up, is cutting weight two times in two weeks. Exactly. And that can play a big factor in her performance in a fight that I already think is a very tough matchup for her Norma Dumont. Because mm-hmm. truthfully, as big as I am on Lad, something tells me Dumont 
I just have a good feeling that she's going to put on a performance. So you know it's already the, a tough matchup. You know what? Lad's big for women's band and weight. Yeah. Right? And I think she's been so used to most of her wins being her able to use her size and strength to her advantage. Mm-hmm. She's not going to really have that advantage with Norma Dumas. Norma's very strong. Yeah. And has really shown to use that strength very well. She has good hands, good power in her hands, actually. You know, doesn't yeah. really let them go that much. But when she does, she does have some good power. I don't know. I'm I'm actually I'm intrigued by this battle. I really am. I really just want to know what Dana's gonna say about it afterwards. <laughs> right, right. Like what like I don't I I I this man needs to give us answers, damn it. <laughs> about the division. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the rest. Let's do it. Here um, you go, Noah. Take it away. Right the here. People's main event at heavyweight, Andre Orlovsky, the former UFC heavyweight champion of the world. That's right. He goes one-on-one. With the great one. With Carlos. I believe his nickname's Boy. I think it's Carlos Boy Felipe. I could be wrong about that. I apologize, I think it's Carlos. Boy. So, Arlovsky has decided to step up and take, and, and he is fighting in honor of the MMA fans who had to sit through oh boy. Carlos Felipe's fight with the Oregon DeCastro. The fight that I have probably talked about the most on this podcast. It is a surpassed Davis and Figueredo versus <laughs> Joseph Benavidez, too, for, yeah. for me. Um, and he looks to slay the beast, so to speak. Yeah. But all jokes aside, Andre Arlovsky. Obviously, the veteran here, thirty-one and twenty, I think is his record. Thirty-one and twenty. Yeah, yeah. This man, you know, he has somehow had one of the longest ten tenured runs in the UFC that they've ever had, and it makes no sense in the world because this guy was the heavyweight champion at one of the division's weakest points in the UFC, but he was not a weak fighter by any means, and not a weak champion. That man was a fucking savage back in. 2004 2005 and when he left the ufc i believe 2006 or so they actually cut him he went on to he had some highs and lows in the regional scene and fighting for some bigger promotions you know he would fight on like the affliction cards and had Mm -hmm. some nice had a nice win against um i just watched that card the other day oh i'm not gonna remember who he beat he lost to fedor on the second um affliction event but the first one God, I'm not going to remember. He's a UFC veteran. I'm not going to remember. It might come of, to you. Yeah, but um, was it Barnett? No. Um, oh God. Okay, it'll come. Uh, it'll come. Ben Rothwell. That's it there. Was. You go. I had an awesome fight with Ben Rothwell. That fight was so sick. However, it was on affliction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he fought on some other cards, but you know, had a mixed run of things. And I remember because Dominic, I told you, I've been on this little kick of watching old podcast, old yep. MMA podcasts. So I've watched MMA Beat, which ran from like 2013 until 2018. And when I was listening to like the 2013-14, there was an episode where Arlovsky re-signed with the UFC. And they were like, this is the most puzzling signing the UFC's ever done. And then the guy comes in and almost fights for a title, uh, goes on a huge win streak, you know, nearly fights for the belt. Runs into a little known fighter named Stipe Miocic. Oh, went the wrong way again. <laughs> and um, wasn't quite the same after that. Went on like a four or five fight losing streak. After yeah, five in a row. Lost to Alistair Overeem, the other yep. man behind your shoulder. Yes, true. Um, oh, among others, he, <laughs> he lost. 
he lost to Josh Barnett on that run. Um, I think it might have been Ngannou on that run as well. It was a yeah, tough he run. did. Yeah. But then he's kind of adjusted a little bit in this since like 2016 and he has become a much safer fighter. I will say, you know, not necessarily always in the most exciting fights nowadays, but he has basically used his fight IQ to really keep himself in pretty much every fight. It never feels like he's really out of the fight. Even when he loses against Tom Aspinall, who's like a big prospect, he still felt like he was in the fight and actually had some moments up until he lost. And here with Carlos Felipe, I've been seeing the odds. I've been seeing a lot of the predictions. A lot of people are giving Carlos Felipe the the win here, you know, just because he's the younger prospect, I guess, of the two. And, you know, probably has the higher ceiling at this point. But don't count out Andre Arlovsky. The man has beaten better fighters than Carlos Felipe, even of recent memory. And – while I, I'm not saying that Felipe, Felipe might come in here and smash him for all I know. That's the that's the Arlovsky effect. You just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think that if you count out Andre Arlovsky, it's gonna be a tough day for you. So um Dominic, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that one, but this is my main event. I love Andre Arlovsky, so I'm so excited to watch him once again. Yeah, I wanted you I wanted this to be your baby, but uh, Arlovsky man, a legend of the game. I remember being a little kid and he'd come out with the fang uh, mouth guard. And I was like, Holy shit, this guy's a literal werewolf inside of the cage. He looked like it with the flow and the hairy yep. chest and everything. Um, but he really has grown with the times of MMA. I mean, this is going to be his 36th UFC fight on Saturday night. So uh, the experience is obviously there against a guy like Carlos Felipe, who's had, you know, mixed run. He's three and one in the promotion. This is a big jump for him to see if he's kind of ready to maybe test top 15 territory. It's no easy fight for Felipe. It's no easy fight for Arlovsky, but I, I like the veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this next one, I'm actually going to let you uh, take the, take the reins. Cause I know what a big fan you are of the rising prospect, Mano Firo, as she goes up against Myra Bueno Silva. This is not going to be an easy fight for her though. Not at all. I think Myra Bueno Silva is actually going to be overlooked a ton in this fight. I think she can present a lot of uh, problems for Faro simply because, you know, Faro is that really good elite level kickboxer, karate kind of style fighter. And she's had two uh, fights in the UFC, both of them via KO, TKO. Myra Bueno Silva, she's 2 1 and 1 in the UFC, but she's very good on the ground. She's solid enough on the feet, maybe not enough to get a win necessarily against Faro if she stays on the feet, but good enough to set up her takedowns, use her jujitsu. Um, all six of her finishes have been in the first round, so it's something for uh, Faro to look out for early on in this bout. If she can stretch it uh, into maybe second and third round and keep those strikes uh, up on the feet with her, that's when she could begin to pull away. But again, Myra Bueno Silva is going to be overlooked in this fight heavily, and while I'm leaning toward Faro and I really love what I've seen from her, she's on her way to top 15 territory, this is actually a really good fight and much closer, at least on paper, than what a lot of people, I think, are expecting. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, following that one, this is a fun fight. This is this one that is... could potentially be fight of the night. Be don't, don't sleep on this one. Mm. Julian Marquez and Jordan Wright, two guys that just go in there and look to bring it every time. And, you know, sometimes not to their – not in their best interest, I will add. Um 
What's Julian Marquez's nickname? So this is what I'm this let me set this up. Okay? <laughs> There's a lot of cool shit about this fight, other than right. the fact that it's gonna be violent. Oh, okay, I'm we, excited. Let me let me sit, let me sit. Yep, sit back. So we've got in the red corner the Cuban missile crisis, Julian Marquez. In the blue corner, we have the hold on. Don't I'm I'm blanking. No, I can't blank right now. This is my moment to shine. Oh, I'm blanking at the worst time possible. Oh, he's choking. Oh, oh I'm no. choking under pressure. I'm looking Just it up really quick. Picture everyone naked, Dom. The Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I, that sounds right. The Cuban Missile Crisis, Julian Marquez. The Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright, clashing. No, but seriously, it's obviously every time Julian Marquez is in a fight, his opponent also has a badass nickname. He fought Coconut Bombs, Maggie Patola. He did. Yeah. It's always in a battle of the nicknames. But this fight's going to be violent. Both these guys, Noah, we used to have a little ring the bell. We need to bring that shit back because both these dudes have a 100% finish rate. Julian uh, finished 9 out of 9. Jordan finished 12 out of 12. Five submissions, seven KO TKOs, six KO TKOs, three submissions. Give me your thoughts. <laughs> I'm all First excited. All, this fight's I, so badass. Can I just say how hilarious it is, and you're going to like this when you go back and listen to it later. The fact that it took me going, Dom, picture everyone naked, and then you went, oh, I got God. it. <laughs> I didn't even realize you said that. <laughs> you're like, I got it. The Beverly Hills Ninja. And I'm like, wow. You're like, wait, really Dom's been watching some weird videos online. <laughs> <laughs> so this fight, you're right. The nickname's spectacular. Yes. And the fight styles really back it up. Yes. I mean, I, I will say Marquez has been more proven in the UFC. He has been more consistent. Jordan Wright's had some tough losses, even on the Contender Series. I watched him get KO'd. Yes. So he got sent to the fucking Shadow Realm. It was fucking awesome. But sorry, Jordan. I mean, oh, yeah. no, I just I forget who it was that knocked him out on the Contender Series. But oh my god, dude, <laughs> what a knockout! Um. But in the UFC, he also had a knockout loss to, oh, who? It was uh, Buckley. Yeah, Joaquin Buckley. Thank you. Um, and that was a fight where, again, Jordan Wright had his moments in that fight. But it seems like he's a guy that he loves to strike. He has that nice uh, karate style. Yeah. That's yeah. always fun to watch when guys have that style. But his chin hasn't really held up very well. And that's a very dangerous style to have when you don't really have the best chin in the world you know you kind of leave right. your head open a lot and he doesn't really have the speed sometimes to i guess compensate for that but here against marquez i you know while i based on what i'm saying i'm kind of siding with marquez here uh jordan wright did look fantastic against jamie pickett oh he looks summer. so good and then that, that showed a lot of growth in his game and marquez you know for all the credit he's been given coming off of his win against coconut bombs mackie patolo a forgotten part of that fight is that he was losing the majority of yeah, it. Yeah, the submission the was, end. yep, 100%. So while, again, I think Marquez has been more consistent and more proven, let's not, you know, look past that. It's not like he's just swept through his competition either. Yeah. Um, but, no, that fight is clear front runner for fight of the <laughs> night, in my opinion. It's going to be badass. And then this one, late addition to the, to the, to the script here, I'm glad Lupe, you did it. Lupe Godinez, who we just talked about from last week's card, she, that's right, is making the quickest turnaround in UFC history. 
Move to the side, Hamzat Chemaev. Mm-hmm. Ten days, that's nothing for Lupi Godin. She seven. said, I only need seven. <laughs> and she's going up against Luena, Carolina. She is stepping in for Sajar Eubanks, so hopefully yep. Eubanks uh, recovers from her injury. But um, this is awesome. And considering how much we loved Lupi's performance last Saturday, now we get to watch her again. Yeah, and I'm like, now I'm kind of, I'm starting to kind of buy in a little bit here. If, if she wins here, this is going to be another Hamzat for me. I'm not going to lie; I might be like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, Loopy's UFC debut. She takes it on short notice, up a weight class at flyweight. She loses, but it was a good fight against Jessica Panay. May I add? Then mm-hmm. she gets a full fight camp last week, but her opponent pulls out. She fights a contender series person on a week's notice, destroys her in the first round. Now. She's moving up a weight class again on a week's notice against someone in Louisiana, Carolina, who is a very good fighter, and it is um, a challenge for her. And I'm just nervous that Loopy being a natural strawweight, I hope this – what is so funny, damn it. You called her Carolina? That's what it says on here. I know, or Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> it said, you said Louisiana, North Carolina. Like a little bit of the twang come out there. I know, anyway. Louina Carolina's fighting on it. Anyways, Loopy is a badass. I love this. Um, and I just hope the weight doesn't play too much of a factor because she is super skilled. Again, she's the former LFA champ. I love everything about this seven days notice. We'll see what happens. Yeah, agreed. And you know Louisiana Carolina. Yeah. Carolina, correct. Not Carolina. <laughs> not North <God>. Carolina. <laughs> I, I not only did I panic. And choke under pressure and almost forget Jordan Wright's nickname. But then I just called Luana Carolina. Yes, you did. So but that's okay. Wanna, Dominic, I apologize. Because we're at the end of the episode. We so are. Give it's us, late. I mean, shit. <laughs> true. Give us your thoughts on uh, these fights and, you know, anything else. All the news we talked about, all the fight announcements. Let us know your thoughts. There is a cool new feature if you're listening on Spotify. Yeah. Dominic has been really good about, you know, adding new features to our to our show. And that's just another one. You can actually post your question right there underneath where you're listening right now. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it'll be on there for tomorrow's or for this episode, but for the previous one, there was a poll question. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that that'll be continued as well. So just really cool stuff to kind of keep keep you guys, you know, try to make it easier on you guys to, to get into, you know, add to the conversation here. Yeah. But uh, make good use of that. But if you don't want to use those, we're going to tell you some others you can use. That's right. And that's why I'm going to kick it to Dom. Dom, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Well, for one, I'm not allowed to point anymore on camera, but <laughs> I don't have my socials to point to anymore with this new format. That's so. why he changed it. Yeah, y'all basically. made him feel so bad about yeah. his long fingers. That some now... community we're building here. You know what? Anyway. Oh. You know what they say about a man with long fingers? All right, so you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. More importantly, if you look above my head directly, you can find our podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. Noah, take it away. I pointed the wrong way. There we go. Oh, there was a point. I I know, but I'm not in the camera. I'm sorry for whoever. I'm sorry for whoever was watching at home and had to see Dominic's long fingers. That's for, tough crowd. <laughs> That's for me. That's for me. You know, I'm not even going to plug my socials anymore because no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. Even though you can't see it, I'm going to say it one more time. Yep. At 
NT Baker underscore. Okay. That's Noah Todd okay. Baker underscore on Twitter, Instagram. If you go to those, if you go to my bio, there is a link mm-hmm. that will lead you to the link tree. Yeah. Which provides you a list of links. Would have never guessed. All the platforms the podcast is on along with the social media platforms. That includes, but it's not limited to the following. But it kind of is. Great. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. That's above Noah's head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you're yeah. watching, audio I'm, listeners are like, I'm not, I'm not going to point either because now I just feel like everybody's, they're coming out there, everybody's fingers on the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah. Um, also, there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout, Shout out. out to Anchor. Um, first link, leaving a voice message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. But that's it, you guys. And, you know, we'll be seeing you guys on uh, Monday. So until then, take care. Have a great weekend. Watch some fights.